Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We're going to take our Bibles this evening and turn, please, to the book of Joshua. Actually, let's turn to the book of Psalms. Let's start in Psalm 91 this evening. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a wonderful passage to review regularly. It's the passage where we read of the Lord's kindness toward us in allowing His angels have charge over us and keep us in all of our ways. Psalm 91, the Bible says, beginning in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Did you notice that twice the psalmist references pestilence? And he does so in such an ominous way in verse 6, picturing this pestilence that walked in the darkness. You think of all the various things that we know are symbolic and testifying of the end of the age. The things like earthquakes and famines and wars. Really, wars, when they are fought, bring together brothers in the trenches. And earthquakes, when they occur, cause people to run helter-skelter to help one another, even from around the world, to offer aid Famines, likewise, we see pictures of airplanes flying in to bring famine relief to those who are going through such hardship. When it comes to pestilence, Matthew chapter 24 says all four of those things are signs of the near coming of the Lord. Pestilence is the one that drives us away from one another. And it stalks us in the nighttime, the psalmist says. It walks in the darkness. And so it is, I think, that there are many in the generation in which we're living who are living with a great deal of fear. And it's fear of pestilence or illness. And so this evening, I'd like to focus on what it means to fight fear by faith. But before we look at that together, I'm going to give you an assignment. Our numbers are smaller this evening, so everybody has to put their antennas up right now because I need your help on this or we'll be here a long time, okay? So I'd like you to help me out with some testimonies of verses that God has given to you or songs because he gives songs in the night that have been a particular blessing to you, an encouragement to you when your heart is filled with fear, when you're paralyzed by life's problems. Is there a passage to which you've turned? And I'm going to even break it down more specifically. Perhaps you can recall the specific time that God introduced you to this promise, the event that was occurring at that time. Perhaps you can remember who shared this promise with you, who gave you that verse. Maybe it was in a card, or maybe it was in an email, or maybe they made a phone call, but somehow they gave you that verse, and you've been able to hang on to it uh, all this while later. I want you to think also, perhaps, about the promise of the presence of the Lord, One of the most wonderful promises we find reflected often in Scripture is the promise that the Lord never leaves us. So perhaps someone could 
think of how that's shared in God's Word. So that's the assignment. It's kind of broad, but we'll come back to it. But first, let's ask the Lord to bless as we look at His Word tonight. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is the lamp to our feet, the light to our path. It is that food for our souls. And so, Lord, this evening, help us to be enriched by our consideration of Your Word. And may Your Spirit be our guide as we open the Word together so that on this Wednesday evening when we gather to pray, we'll not only pray and intercede, but we'll be instructed so as to live to please You. And we'll thank You for it in Christ's name. Amen. Now we can turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1, all right? Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. God had trained Moses in the courts of Egypt, then from the courts of Egypt after 40 years to the solitude of the wilderness, and then ultimately to the furnace of confrontation as he would stand before Pharaoh to cry out for God, let my people go, ultimately leading the children of Israel to freedom. For 40 wonderful years, oh, they were filled with some hardship, but wonderful and miraculous years. Moses was able to see God accomplish great things. The armies of the Egyptians were defeated. Slavery for the children of Israel was abolished. They were at the precipice of walking in to the promised land. They had been supplied all along the way by water in the wilderness and manna that God sent from heaven. God's word had been revealed to them at Mount Sinai. All these things had happened as the children of Israel followed the leadership of Moses. But Moses had come to the end of his journey. Moses now had come to the time when he would die. And we read in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. No doubt these are some of the saddest words in all of the Old Testament. The book of Deuteronomy ends by telling us that at the time of his death, Moses was as fit and strong as he'd ever been. He was in full health and vigor when he climbed up Mount Nebo and looked over into the promised land. He died there. The book of Jude tells us the end of the story, <clears throat> how that Michael the archangel battled with Lucifer over the body of Moses, God's servant, who was dead. Moses would never return from Mount Nebo to the camp, and so it was that God is seeking a leader, and the leader that God chooses is Joshua. What a task Joshua is now inheriting. Millions of God's children would be dependent upon Joshua to have a tender heart and follow after the leading of God. And as we meet Joshua in Joshua 1, Joshua has a problem. <laughs> and you'd have the same problem. I know I would. Joshua was afraid. Three times we discover that. God says in verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And God reminds Joshua in verse 9, have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. For decades, Joshua has been in training. He was one of the two faithful spies. He was a valiant soldier. He was a servant, a minister to Moses. 
And yet when the time of his training is over and he's stepping into this pinnacle of leadership, if you will, having enjoyed all these advantages that God would use to make him the man that he needed to be for the hour at hand, he finds himself filled with anxiety. He no doubt felt inadequate. He no doubt felt unworthy, and you would too. Moses was trained in all of the learning of the Egyptians. Joshua wasn't. For all we know, Joshua, having been raised as a slave in the camp of the Israelites, may have indeed been illiterate. Joshua had a great deal of burden that he would be bearing. Feeling inadequate and unworthy and unfit, God's voice is the voice that brings assurance to Joshua in his time of anxiety. In verse 3, God says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given to you, even as I said unto Moses. In verse 5, God says, Joshua, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. What wonderful words, verse 7. Only be thou strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand or the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And the Lord says in verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God's voice brings assurance to Joshua in a time of great anxiety. Where do people look when they find themselves filled with fear? In the generation in which we live, those who don't look to God, those who don't look to the Bible, where do they look when they're filled with anxiety? What's the solution in our generation? Drugs. Sometimes legal, sometimes illegal. Where else? Psychology and counseling. Where else? Darlene? <laughs> Their phones. That's an interesting observation, Darlene. You're, you're exactly right. We were walking through the airport last week, coming back from Florida and observing what everybody observes now. Family units. Family time now is everybody sitting in a common place with every individual in the family having an open phone. No communication between them as they enter into some cyber world of uh, make-believe uh, and somehow assuage their souls. But God has wired us so that when we go through our times of anxiety, and we will, there is a source of security, and that source of security is God alone. So here's Joshua standing out as a model in God's Word, showing us what it means to overcome our fears. How do we as believers overcome our fears? We've rehearsed briefly how the world seeks solutions for fear. But let me remind you this evening, based on this promise, that fear is alleviated when we remember God's promises. The promises of God raise our hopes and alleviate our fears. And the promises of God in this passage are punctual. I find it interesting that it was after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Bible says it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua. God spoke to Joshua in exactly the right moment. To the best of our awareness, Joshua has never before heard the voice of God. But he needs him now. God doesn't 
disappoint. You'll find in the pathway of your life that there are many things in God's Word that become powerful to you. God's Word is always powerful. It's inspired. It's alive, regardless of whether you read it or not. But (laughs) there are times when you're going through the valley and you open God's Word and you say, I never saw that before. And God wonderfully speaks to us in that very moment. You know, we set our clocks according to the punctuality of God every day. And just as surely as the sun will come up on time tomorrow, the sunshine of the promises of God can be depended upon in every valley of adversity. Galatians 4 reminds us that it was in the fullness of time, when that fullness of time was come, that God sent forth His Son. So God reckons time. He knows the moments of your time. My times are in his hands, David testifies. And he will always, in the moments of your time, meet with you in a punctual way when his promises are sought. So, do you remember the assignment I gave? First question. I don't need many on this, but I think it'd be a blessing. Can someone look back and recall a specific promise that has really been a blessing to you, and when God gave you that promise. Oh, right here, immediately. Peggy? Three years ago, I was hired to teach at Colonial Christian School. I was not equipped for the fifth and sixth grade class that God gave me, including Josh Taylor. (laughs) And I was scared spitless. And God took me to the scriptures. He took me to three passages, Exodus 3, Joshua 1, and Jeremiah, oh, and Judges 6 and Jeremiah 1. And every single one of these people, when they expressed their inadequacy for the task that God was asking them to do, his answer is, I will be with you. Amen. Well, that's how God works often in those moments of crisis and challenge in our lives. And they become markers. Of testimony. So Peggy looks back 40 years and recalls a number of passages. Mark? came to me when I was laying over in that bed and very uncomfortable. And it kept running through my mind, the Lord is my shepherd, you know. He leadeth me beside the still water. And yea, though I go through the valley, the shadow of death, I'll fear nothing. Amen. And it was just like, wow, I could see that green grass and the Lord... Right there with me. Amen. So Mark sharing a testimony of this past year, the medical crisis he went through, not knowing whether he'd go back home or not, or go home, home. Uh, the 23rd Psalm became that special promise. Darlene? sharing 25 years ago when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, the Lord gave her the passage that says, who knoweth if thou hast come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And it inspired her to be a testimony. She led Sue Grover to the Lord at that time. Sue's still part of our church. Sue had breast cancer at that time as well. And God used that to make her a minister of light. Tony, one more.
raised in the Roman church, and I had a false hope, and my hope was that uh, I could help God <laughs> because I had been baptized as a baby, but how does a baby three months old make a decision? Yeah. And so in the process of coming to Christ and reading his word and getting rebaptized after I came to him, then the scripture seems to open up to me Amen. and better understand it. And, and I would get to the point that I would ask God's question. And I would say, well, Lord, well, what does this mean? And he would say, well, what did it say? <laughs> I said, Father, why are you making it so easy? And he said, well, uh, if I made it difficult, then you might have a legitimate excuse. <laughs> Yeah. He said, what part don't you understand about come unto me, Amen. all ye that labor and heavy labor? I said, well, what's, what's happening there, Lord? He said, what did it say? He said, I'll give you rest. Amen. But if you don't come, you, you, you are tying my hands. Amen. Oh, I said, hallelujah. Tony, Tony's rejoicing that at the age of 46, when he came to the Savior, uh, the Word of God, is, it only does to those who really believe, came alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says their foolishness to him. And all of a sudden, the verse that says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. Now, I'm going to have to go on. So, Jay, hold on to yours. We're going to come to another pause. And even if it doesn't fit, I'll let you say it there, all right? Okay? But God's promises are punctual, and they're personal. God spoke to Joshua in verse 1. The servant of the Lord came to pass, the Lord spoke unto Joshua. But isn't it interesting as he speaks to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, to the land which I give to them. God's not just speaking to Joshua while he is speaking personally to Joshua. This is a promise that extends to all the children of God. God's promises, you see, are given to every one of his children, and they're sufficient for all of his children. Go over this, Jordan, thou and all this people, to the land which I do give to them. How good to know that God gives to us promises that have been the substance of hope for many who have gone before us. I love to read biographies. I have a library filled with biographies in my home. I've been blessed to read many of them. I have still many that are in my retirement reading list. <laughs> Haven't gotten there yet. But in the biographies of the children of God, it's just a blessing so often to see even obscure passages that for generations before us have been that bedrock of hope in difficult times. So let me ask the question now, is there someone who can remember a specific promise that God has given that's brought special comfort, special comfort and strengthened you, but it was somebody who shared it with you. Somebody shared this with you, and now it's become yours. My wife's got her hand up, so Jay, you're next. Linda, if you can do it. Would you like me to read it? <laughs> so, Betty Henderson, this is good, shared these with Linda, and she's still got the card. Psalm 10, 14, thou art the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 27, 10, when my father and mother forsake me, thou wilt lift me up. Psalm 68, 5, God is a father of the fatherless. Psalm 146, 9, God relieveth the fatherless 
in Hosea 14.3, in thee the fatherless finds mercy. Promises that have been held on to for a few years in our home, shared by somebody else. Does somebody have others? Tony, you already did one. I better wait. I'll come back to you, okay? If I don't go to Jay, he's, he's not going to let me up this middle aisle after. Go ahead, Jay. diagnosed 25 years ago, the Lord brought the wonderful thought to his mind that from before the worlds were created, God has known the very time that she would find that out. Yeah, he knows the end from the beginning. Amen. Yes. Go ahead. Betsy? of that that Betsy shares when you've lost a child that you've never been able to hold or meet what a, a treasure that is you know when you go to Israel uh, they have the Holocaust Museum and one of the things that they they, uh, they especially emphasize in the Holocaust Museum is that every try to say it every person who's ever lived deserves to be remembered and that's why we put headstones and go to such great lengths to memorialize people in various places around the world. And the purpose of the Holocaust Museum, they'll say, is to memorialize every one. And so they have a library, and it's an ever-growing library of research being done for people to see uh, the names recorded in this library of, the, of those whose lives have been taken. And as you leave, they take you through this place with all these mirrors and they've recreated the stars of the heaven. And it's to be a reminder that Abraham's children are as the stars of the heaven. This is to be a place where they're to be remembered. So that's a wonderful application, Betsy, of that thought. Before formed, he knows. And even when a child has been miscarried, as we would say, God knew that child. And that's a wonderful comfort. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Larry? 44 years ago, I was 21 and finished my senior year of college and was spending the summer traveling with a singing group. And I remember vividly it was Monterey, California. After the morning service, I had called home to get caught up on the news. And I found out that my older brother had just filed for divorce. And it was something that really rocked my world. And I was in a daze until we got to the church we were singing that night. 
and at the top of the bulletin for that Sunday morning at that church was 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in the proper time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And what struck me was that, as I, as I read that, what struck me was any caring that needed to be done, he had already done it. Yeah. And I didn't have to carry that. Larry, remembering 44 years ago, the tragic news of a brother's divorce, seeing in the bulletin, 1 Peter 5, um, where the Bible says he cares for us. You know, it, are, they're markers, aren't they? The promises of God. They're stepping stones of the faithful that allow us in our journey to know the strength of God to go on. How then can we avoid being in God's Word? Or putting up our spiritual antenna to grab hold of what the Spirit of God wants to give to us for our spiritual journey. Remembering God's promises, this is the source of alleviating fear. Those promises are punctual and they're personal and they're plentiful. In verses 3 and 4, we find the promises of God were much larger than the people of Israel would have ever expected. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, all of this is going to be your coast, unimaginable. This promise is a promise that pertains to boundaries that the people who were receiving the promise had never seen. It's bigger than the scope of their imagination. More beautiful, more diverse than anything that they could ever themselves described. That's the extent of this particular promise. Even so, God's promises for us are unimaginably plentiful. Often we put limits on our limitless God, and we shouldn't. Today I see, received a, the financial report from last week. Our Christmas offering is now $97,000 plus. Unimaginable when you think of what the Lord is allowing us to experience by way of a time of testing with people who are going through afflictions, and what a blessing that's going to be to our missionary family when we have the privilege of sharing that with them. So, how do we get through the times of fear by faith? Well, we remember the promises of God, and we recognize God's presence. We recognize God's presence. While companionship often calms our fears, this is true, isolation, isolation has the capacity to exaggerate our fears. I did a very bad thing a number of years ago to our youngest son. I'm almost ashamed to tell of it. But if you nod your head, I will, all right? Okay, okay, good. I saw one or two nod. He was a little guy, middle elementary school. Our neighbor was out of town. Everybody where we lived was on acreage. So we had a couple of acres each between our neighbors. And our neighbor had asked our son if he'd feed their animals 
a dog and a cat while they were gone. And it was winter time, dark, cold. And one evening we came home, I think, from church, probably on a Wednesday night, and he hadn't fed those animals yet. So doing his, his duty, he went out, and there was a path between our homes through the woods. And I went upstairs to our bedroom, and I opened the, door, the window ever so carefully so he wouldn't hear it. And while he began his walk through the woods, I went, and he stopped. And I went, and he ran back home. He came belting into the house, scared to death. For the next four days, I accompanied him to the neighbor's house. (laughs) There was no way he was walking back to the woods alone. He needed the comfort of somebody being there. And he needed his father to care. You know, our Heavenly Father never abandons us. We never walk alone. There's strength in his presence. Joshua is told in verse 5, There shall not be any man who will stand against thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Wow. God assures Joshua that no man would stand against him all the days of his life. There's sweetness in his presence, as I was with Moses. Moses in Deuteronomy 29 had a glimpse of the glory of God. Moses coveted the opportunity to see the face of the Lord. And God ministered in a sweet way to Moses. And there's security in his presence. I will not fail thee, verse 5. I will not forsake thee. We have his strength, the sweetness of his presence, the security of his presence. And we have the sufficiency of his presence. Be strong and of a good courage. Verse 6, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Joshua is going to divide the entire land and there be part for every single tribe. Over and again in this particular passage that's encouraging God's servant, the promise that is most evident is the promise of God's presence. So remember I asked, can you think of any promises of God's presence? Now there's one here, there's more than one here actually. But any promises of God's presence that have been a specific comfort to you, an encouragement to you? Loy? Yeah, James says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. What a wonderful promise. Josh? He's very practical in speaking. And just the title of his message was from Psalms 3. And it was simple. I cried, he heard, I slept. And to this day, I remember that saying. It's so poignant, but so practical. I can't tell you how many times you know, like, Amen. I my head on my pillow knowing that God's in control. Amen. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 are called the good night and the good morning psalm. Uh, they're God's special scriptural sedatives for those who have a hard time sleeping. So if you ever find yourself having a hard time sleeping, Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 are the prescriptions from God's Word. Good. Darlene? Yes. And 
so I was thankful, and I came back to a counselor at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and I said, you know, I have 12 credits. Can I take those external credits study? And they said, yes, you can. And I just began to really look into it, and I was so excited, but I had never flown before. And here I was trying to go all the way to Switzerland, to be with Francis Schaefer and his wife, Edith. And when I was scared to get on a plane, I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing, Lord? But I really wanted to go, and to this day, it was just fabulous. It was just wonderful to sit and listen, to talk to a really tremendous Christian man and his wife, and I just was thankful because he gave me safety. And in the verse I remember was, Fear not, for I am with thee. Do not be afraid. Amen. For I am your God. Amen. Great promises, aren't they? So how does a Christian get past his anxiety? Well, we remember the promise of God. We recognize his presence. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. And we receive his plan. God's plans for us are found, as Tony reminded us tonight, it's not that complicated. It's what it says. It's in God's Word, if we're willing to discover it. In verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. There needs to be a dedication to the Word of God, following God's commandments. Yeah. You're not going to know God's blessings when you're not following God's commandments. It's amazing sometimes how people can divide their life and subdivide it and be clearly in a land of disobedience while expecting blessings. God says to Joshua, don't turn to the right hand or the left. Keep the commandments. That's dedication. And verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's meditation. Consecrating ourselves to the power of God's Word. I had a conversation earlier this week with a pastor friend of mine, and I thought as I hung up the phone with him, every time I talked to him, he's Scripture-filled. It was a real challenge and a real encouragement. He was going through a terrible trial, a terrible trial. And instead of being anxious, I listened to the voice of a friend who was claiming Scripture over and over, and I thought that only comes because he's meditated on it a lot. It's one thing to read the Bible, right? It's another thing to hear the Bible, but then to meditate on it. Meditation usually requires memorization ahead of time, so you can carry it with you. And so meditation on God's Word. Joshua was to meditate on it day and night, like that cow who chews its cud, bringing it up again and again in order to apply it, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. There's the application of God's Word. God's Word is able to change our conduct. And then the wonderful promise, one of the few, if not the only times in God's Word that we read the word success, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, simple plan for avoiding and overcoming anxiety. What's God's plan to this very anxious and fear-filled future leader? Remember God's promises, recognize God's presence, 
and receive God's plan. That's better than any other therapeutic. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.